Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. You honor us by finding us and listening in. We pray this sermon stirs up your love for Jesus and grows you in your faith. But before we begin, we ask that you not let this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, replace the local church in your life. You need to be a member of a local congregation and under the shepherding of that flock's pastor. So please become part of a local church if you aren't currently. If you'd like more information about our church, please go to www.mountzionchula.org. Enjoy our podcast. This is, okay, good. It's not all staticky like it used to be. Wonderful. Um, Okay, so we are starting tonight a Bible study on the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for six weeks, um, talk about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, um, and how to live by him. Um, So let me ask you a question. What has contributed to your spiritual growth? What are some things that have contributed to your to your growth as a Christian? Okay, church attendance. Okay, Sunday school. Bible study. All right. A lot of things that we could name. Um, but often when we hear that question, um, and I didn't even think of it when I thought about it, um, a, a lot of people don't say the Holy Spirit contributes to my spiritual growth. Um, it's not surprising. Um, but being filled with the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit, um, as Baptists, we don't think much about the Holy Spirit. Um, why do you think that is? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Compared to other denominations, we don't talk a ton about the Holy Spirit. Baptists don't. So, so why is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Kentucky, so watch out. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but, yeah, um, that's probably the big reason that we as Baptists don't think much about the Holy Spirit is um, we, we've seen a lot of people that think too much about the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and they, they go a little wonky. Uh, we're going to talk about some of those as we work through these six weeks. Um, but... Is it easy to do church without the Spirit? Be honest. I mean, is it easy for us to, you know, have church without, without even talking about the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, he's here with us, and, and we know that, but, I mean, we can people together and lead some music and, you know, do a sermon and, and go home and, you know, not think anything about him. Um, But think about this. What all would be missing if the Holy Spirit didn't exist, biblically speaking? Okay, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of answers to this question, so throw them. Guidance, what? Yeah, so witness, evangelism, yeah, what else? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, through the cold and the rain. <laughs> most of the general things in my life or so I think. Um, here's, here's what all I wrote down, biblically speaking, that would be missing if the Holy Spirit didn't exist. Um, the existence of the world, the life and ministry of Jesus, awareness of our sin and our need of Jesus, our conversion and our new birth, our ability to acknowledge Jesus as Lord, our union with Christ, our justification, our adoption into God's family, our eternal security, our spiritual maturity, our ability to understand the Bible, our ability to pray, church unity, church leadership, evangelism and missions, spiritual gifts, our future resurrection, and the new heavens and the new earth. So, um, so in other words, everything would be missing without the Holy Spirit. Everything. The Holy Spirit is so important. That's why we're going to do this study. That's why we're going to spend the next... Um, it, it won't be exactly six weeks because next week we're just doing a hymn sing since we'll be coming back from the mission trip. But, um, but we're going to take six weeks and look at the Holy Spirit, um, learn who he is, what he does, and how to live by him. So tonight we're, we're just going to do a biblical overview of who he is. Um, so when you think of the Holy Spirit, what do you think of? What have you always pictured when you think of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. There's no shortage of either uninformed or flat-out crazy ideas when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and so we want to we wanna know what, what the truth is regarding him. Um, so to, our two focuses for tonight in looking at who the Holy Spirit is is that, first of all, the Holy Spirit is fully God, and the Holy Spirit was and is present in all of history. So we're going to look at his divinity and then look at him in all of history. Um, and so... Um, we're going to hit several passages of Scripture, so I'm actually going to, those of you who have, who have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to read various passages. I'm going to read some as well. Um, so let's talk about the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. Um, we're, we're talking about who the Holy Spirit is tonight. Next week we'll talk about what he does. Um, be honest. Do you always think of the Holy Spirit on the same level as God and Jesus? No, no. Generally we... we we think he's something else in, in just our natural thought. Um, I have to intentionally make myself think God the Holy Spirit is a person and he is God. Um, God the Father is obviously everywhere, and, and I love the Gospels, and so Jesus is obviously God, but if we're not careful, um, we'll, we'll focus all on them and forget the third member of the Trinity. Um, the Holy Spirit often in our natural mind, and what maybe we've been um, trained to think, the Holy Spirit feels a lot more in my mind, like the force from Star Wars. Like, so the, just this impersonal energy that, that flows through all of creation. The Holy Spirit is, but is, is like that in a lot of our minds, but that's not correct. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a he. He's a person. So a quick refresher on the Trinity. Um, 
because the Holy Spirit is, is one of the members of the Trinity. Um, three truths about the Trinity we have to hold in together. God is three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all completely God. And there's only one God. So there's three persons. All three of them are all completely God. There is only one God. A lot of people try to make analogies to make that make sense. Um, what are some of those analogies that, that are false? Um, they make analogies and they never measure up to understanding the Trinity. Anyone know any of the analogies people use? One that people use is that God is just like, like a pie cut up in three, three sections. So he's part God the Father, part God the Son, part God the Holy Spirit. That's not true um, because that means that each person is only 33% God. Um, another one is, is water. You know, water can um, be in the form of solid or liquid or gas. And so that's how God is. He's sometimes in the form of Father, sometimes in the form of Son, sometimes in the form of Spirit. That's not accurate either. If you try and explain the Trinity with an analogy, you will end up wrong each time. You, you just have to stand back and behold it and stand in awe of it because you can't fully grasp it. So the Holy Spirit is equal in nature, power, and glory with the Father and the Son. So wait, I asked, do, do you think that the, do you ever think of the Holy Spirit, do you struggle to see the Holy Spirit as God? Here's another question. Do you kind of, do, do you think there's a hierarchy in God? Do you, do you ever imagine maybe there's a hierarchy where God the Father's top dog and Jesus is a little under him and then the Spirit's a little under him? Well, that's a temptation some people think, and that's, that's also not true. That's not how it is. The Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father and Jesus are. The Holy Spirit is to be worshipped along with the Father and the Son. This is somewhere that we as Baptists probably need to grow. Um, we don't put much emphasis on the Holy Spirit in worship. Why don't we? been abused majorly. Um, yeah, we don't want to be like that. And we might be scared of him, too. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Because the, we're scared. If I, if I too much let the Holy Spirit guide me, I'll, I'll look crazy. I'll look crazy. Um, so, um, can somebody turn to 2 Corinthians 3.17 and, and read that for us? I'm going to read Acts chapter 5. Who's, who can read 2 Corinthians 3.17? Okay. <laughs> I was like, did I give you the wrong verse? <laughs> Okay, the Lord is the Spirit, so we know the, the Holy Spirit is fully God, as we've said. Acts chapter 5, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. What, what happens in the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Just sum it up for me. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 they say that I've, I've sold a plot of land, here's the money, and they say this is how much it cost. It, I, I sold it for 60 bucks. Here's the 60 bucks. They actually sold it for 80. They pocketed 20 of it, right? And listen to what Peter says to them. He says, 
Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Um, he, um, While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. So there he says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, you've lied to God. It's the same thing. So the Holy Spirit is fully God. If the Holy Spirit is fully God, how should that change how we relate to him? Okay, well, if if Jesus is fully God, how should that change how we relate to him? Yeah, but, but we, we almost ignore the Holy Spirit. So if he's God, we're essentially ignoring God is what I'm trying to get at. Um, and so that's what I'm getting at. If he's fully God, and so we um, submit to him and follow him and worship him the same that we would the Son and the, and the Father. And my hope is that as we study the Holy Spirit, We'll learn to do that. Um, The Holy Spirit is fully God and has thus been there for all of history. Sometimes we separate the three. People tend to to sometimes separate the three parts into three different times of history. God the Father was the Old Testament. Jesus the Son is the Gospels. The Holy Spirit is the after the Gospels. That's not how it is. He's been there the whole time. So we're going to do a biblical overview of the Holy Spirit and see where he was at. So Genesis 1, turn to Genesis 1. Yep. Genesis 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water, the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. You can actually see all three members of the Trinity present in those three verses. Where are they? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Where are they at? Mm -hmm. So the Spirit's there. Okay, that's a good. I didn't. I didn't catch that one. So yeah, that's that's a that's connected. What? Jesus is the light. Yeah, I was going to say God said Jesus is the Word of God in John one. So. Um, but, but he said, let there be light, so he said, let me create the light that I am. So that's, that's a good connection there. Yeah, so God created the heavens and the earth. God the Father, he did it by speaking the word of God, the Son of God, and, and the Spirit of God was overseeing the whole thing. So they're all three there. The Spirit was at creation as something like the project manager. Um, God the Father would speak, um, and the Spirit would go do. He's the giver of life. What, what, think, yeah. Yeah, he's like he's basically like um, like you know overseeing the whole project. He's walking around, watching the whole thing taking place. Essentially, um, he's the giver of life. So think about how he gives life. So just think of two examples. Well, we could say three examples: um, the um, conception of Jesus in the womb that was by the Holy Spirit. He was the giver of life in that way. Um, our salvation is the Holy Spirit giving life. And, um, and also, um, when Adam is created, later in chapter 1, what does God do? He breathes the breath of life into him. It's interesting, Hebrew, the same word for, for the, the, same, the same word is there for spirit and breath. They're the same thing. And so it's almost, it's not the Holy Spirit in the same way, but it's, 
It's God breathing a spirit into Adam um, in that way. So we see the Holy Spirit crop up in other spots in the Old Testament. Um, can someone turn to 1 Samuel 16? I'm going to turn to Judges chapter 3. 1 Samuel 16, correct. Um, so the people of Israel came out of Egypt, went in the wilderness. They were in the wilderness 40 years. They um, went into the promised land with Joshua. They ran out all the, they, they, they defeated, they ran out all the pagan people. They settled in the land and they set up judges. Judges were um, something like um, mediators over conflict. They were, they were not exactly kings, but they were kind of a, uh, people of authority that, that did that kind of thing. They would also defeat the enemies as enemies come, came in and hear how um, the Spirit is um, leading them. Um, Judges 3, 7 through 10. Um, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan, um, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. And he, it tells how he defeated Cushan, went to war with them, and all of those things. But the spirit of the Lord was upon him. In the Old Testament, this is often how God, the spirit, operated. He would come on people for a specific task, and they would do the role, and that would be how it happened. Um, this is especially true with the kings. Who's got 1 Samuel 16? Um, can you read verse 13, whoever does? Yeah, 13. Chapter 16, verse 13 of 1 Samuel. Yeah, so, so the king would be anointed, and that was Samuel doing it for, for David. Um, the king would be anointed, the spirit would come on him so that he could be king over the land. Um, the spirit would fill the kings to do their work. Uh, this is why David prays, you know, Psalm 51 is the psalm that he wrote after he sinned with Bathsheba, and he prays in that passage, um, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. As in, like, please don't, please don't take away my commission. Um, he recognizes that that the spirit could get taken from him in that moment because he's been anointed with it to do the job of king, and it could get taken. Could that ever happen for us as believers? Can we as believers in Christ lose the Holy Spirit? Right, yeah, exactly. So we, we'll get to that in a little bit, but yeah, we can quench it, but, but we can't have the spirit taken away from us like David could. Um, so the judges had the kings, had the spirit come upon them. The kings did. The prophets as well. Ezekiel chapter 2. Um, we see Ezekiel's commission, the beginning of his ministry. Um, um, Ezekiel 2, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> God said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke, the spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he, he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to the nations of the rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. And the descendants also are impudent and stubborn. And I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord. 
and goes on to commission him more, but he says the, the Spirit entered him and it commissioned him. He, he, the Spirit commissioned um, Ezekiel to do his work. Um, he would speak through the prophets in that way. The Holy Spirit would come into them for the task that they were to do, and they would go do it. Um, it sometimes we, we maybe picture it like they were you know, possessed, like, oh, by the Spirit. Um, I don't know that it necessarily happened like that. It was a lot more like the prophet spoke, and the Lord used his words to work. Um, everything God does, he does through his Spirit. Um, he also did this with the Spirit-filled ordinary people. He filled the judges, the kings, the prophets. He also did ordinary people. So later, when we're working through Exodus, we're going to get to when they build the tabernacle, and the people that are commissioned to build the tabernacle, it says, are filled with the Spirit to do it. Um, also, Simeon in Luke chapter 2, when Jesus is in the temple, um, is filled with the Spirit to speak a word of prophecy over Jesus, the baby. Um, and then the suffering servant, the one who is going to come, Jesus. We're going to get into him in a minute. Um, but, but so many prophecies in the Old Testament talk about how the Spirit is going to come through him, and he's going to be led by the Spirit, and everything he's going to do is by the Spirit. So then we come to the New Testament in that. Everything Jesus did on earth was through the power of the Spirit. We like to imagine Jesus did everything he did simply out of his divinity, some of the things he did um, that way, but he wasn't Superman. Like he, he, you know, he wasn't like blasting power out, knocking mountains down. No, he, he did his work through the Spirit. The Spirit led him in everything that he did. He was divine. He was the eternal Son of God in human flesh, he was also a man. And so everything he did was in the power of the Spirit, a man full of God's Spirit. He was conceived by the Spirit. We know that from both Matthew and Luke. Um, look at, flip over to the Gospel of Luke. We'll fly through a few passages there. Um, Luke, we'll go ahead and read chapter 1, even though I just said what happens there. Um, Luke chapter 1, verses 34 and 35. <clears throat> um, and Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child that is to be born will be called the Holy, the Son of God. So he's He's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Flip on over to chapter 3. He's going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Um, and then just a few verses later, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, the, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Um, I love the way Mark describes it. Mark, Mark, when he tells this story, he basically says the Holy Spirit threw him out into the wilderness. Like, that's how it reads, um, if you read it back in the, in the original Greek. Um, one of the books that I... That I went to to um, prepare for this study is by one of my seminary professors, um, and he describes how Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. I just want to read you this excerpt from his book. Um, 
relying on the Holy Spirit throughout his earthly life and ministry, Jesus faced down temptations from Satan and all the trials and tests that came his way. In the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus proclaimed the gospel, teaching in parables and calling the crowds to follow him, instructing his disciples, challenging the, the errant traditions of the religious leaders and predicting his own death and resurrection. Filled with the Holy Spirit without measure, Jesus exercised demons, releasing the victims of the evil one from its fierce destructive dominion. Energized by the Holy Spirit, Jesus performed miracles, restoring the sight to the blind, causing the lame to walk, cleansing the lepers, healing the sick, feeding the 5,000, raising the dead, and much more. As throughout his life, so as his days on earth were coming to the end, Jesus was guided by the Spirit to set his face to go to Jerusalem, Luke chapter 9, 51. There Jesus would face his death by crucifixion, be buried and rise again in accordance with his own predictions. As he walked on the torturous path to fully accomplish his mission, Jesus relied step by step on the Spirit who constantly and sufficiently filled him. Through the Spirit, Jesus handed the morsel of bread to Judas, submitted to Judas the betrayer's kiss, reprimanded Peter for his feudal combative tactics, looked at Peter who had denied him, responded forthrightly to Annas the high priest, engaged Pilate in conversation about kingship and truth, remained silent before Herod, carried his cross part way to Golgotha, comforted the weeping daughters of Jerusalem, and promised paradise to the repentant thief. And then even his death and resurrection, Hebrews 9, 14, as in the life, so in the death, God the Son incarnate, anointed with the Spirit without measure, dependent on the Spirit to carry out his mission of salvation and his resurrection as well, Romans 8, 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Everything Jesus did was through the power of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit the whole way. And then we get into the New Testament age, the age that we live in. Um, somebody look up Ephesians. Actually, someone look up 2 Timothy 3.16. I'm going to read Ephesians 1. 2 Timothy 3.16. Can somebody read that? So the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. He's the one who inspired the authors to write the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, here, Ephesians chapter 1 regarding the Spirit, regarding your salvation. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the, to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So think about in those days, um, if you were writing a letter to someone or a scroll, um, they, they would put their seal on it. They would put the wax and they would stamp the scroll with their, with their seal and that would not be opened until it got to the person that it was going to. So when we were saved, we were something like that. We were something like um, a, a scroll that was sealed. And we're not going to be opened until we're to the person that we're going to, which is the Lord. 
That's our salvation. Now, there is a difference for the Christian life of being indwelt by the Spirit and filled by the Spirit. We'll get into that, I think, in week three of, of this study. Um, the Spirit fills the Christian. The Spirit also gives gifts to the Christian, so we get spiritual gifts if we're Christians. Um, we'll deal with those near the end of this study um, to talk about what our spiritual gifts are. Um, and it's the Spirit that draws sinners to salvation. They re- he reveals Jesus to them. They come running. Um, and the day will come when the end comes, and just as the Spirit gave life to Adam, the Spirit will give new birth to the entire universe at the resurrection. Um, we live in the most privileged time as it relates to the Holy Spirit. David had to fear that God would take the Holy Spirit from him. We don't have to fear that because we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. If we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit in us at all times. Think about that fact right now, that the God in heaven who reigns over the entire universe is inside of you if you're a Christian. Right now. Right now. In like 12, 14 people in here. The Holy Spirit, God himself dwells inside of you. I always get really annoyed when I'm at a worship service and somebody says, you know, the Holy Spirit really showed up today. Or God really showed up today because they got goosebumps. And it's like, well, if there's Christians gathered there worshiping, the Holy Spirit's there because he's in them there. Like, that's how it is. Jewish people had to go to the temple to meet with God. We have God inside of us. What would change about our Christian life if we were more attentive to the fact that the Spirit is within us? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What else? Why would I ever have to fear, you know, sharing the gospel with somebody or, or, or preaching a hard sermon on some topic that people are going to get mad about or, or having a hard conversation with somebody? Why, why would I ever have to fear any of those things? Because God Himself is literally inside of me. Um, what, what would change about us, along with what Sydney said, we, we, wouldn't, um, we wouldn't love our sin so much. We wouldn't be so easy to um, neglect being at, the, at church. We wouldn't be so easy to neglect reading our Bibles. Like we would, we, would, we would seek the Lord a lot deeper if we were more attentive to the fact that God himself is within us. Everything would change about our Christian life. Why are we scared of the Holy Spirit? I have three reasons, but, but can, can you name any reasons we might be scared of him? Yeah, 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 that's one of the things I have is, is well, technically two of mine are that um, he might call us to do something way out of our comfort zone, and he might ask us to do something crazy. Um, and then we've seen too much of weird stuff done in his name. We, we might be a little, you know, iffy of um, going near the Holy Spirit because of that. Um, what's the strangest thing you've ever seen someone do in the name of the Holy Spirit? Jump pews. I've seen that once or twice. Yeah. What else? <laughs> I saw video of church where um, they were, you know, doing all that. Yeah, right. Well, I've seen a, a video of a church service where they were doing that, and a guy ran down the aisle and dove into the baptistry. 
but um, um, I, I told the story a long time ago at, at church, but um, one Sunday when I was in college, I got home from church, and I parked with a seven-story parking garage, and I parked, and I walked out, and I was walking to my dorm, and I was dressed nice, and as I walked out of the parking structure, I heard this guy say, hey, big guy, which I didn't know if I was supposed to be insulted by that, but um, I looked, and there's this African-American guy walking down the, walking down the uh, sidewalk, and he's like, hold on a second. He walked up to me, and he said, how you doing today? And I said, I'm, I'm good. How are you? He said, oh, I'm good. Where are you coming back from? And I said, I've, I've been at church. He said, oh, cool, man. Let's, let's talk a little bit. And so we walk, and I'm walking to my dorm. I got, like, homework to do. And we're walking, and he just starts talking to me about church and about the Lord and, and about all kinds of different things. And um, we get back to my dorm, and, and I, there's just something weird about this guy. I'm not really sure what, but something's a little off by him. And... Um, so we get to my dorm, and I say, okay, I, I got to go up and do homework now. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. And he's like, okay, okay, can I pray for you real quick? And I say, sure, you can pray for me. So he proceeds to put his hand on my forehead right here in the middle of campus, and he starts praying for me. And I'm sitting here like, I don't know what to do right now. What's, is he going to cast a demon out of me, or, or what's going on? And he's praying for me, and I think he prayed in tongues, if I, if I remember correctly. But um, when he finishes the prayer... He hits me in the forehead, and he said, did you feel that? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> he said, that's powerful, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, man. And I turned and walked into my dorm, and I looked over, and there was this guy standing at the door like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> um. Yeah, that's Benny Hinn. Yeah. 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 Um. <laughs> um, I mean, the when we think about people falling out and everything and convulsing and all that, the when people do that in Scripture, they're possessed by a demon. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, when, when people fall down and convulse and foam at the mouth, like that's what the demons did when Jesus came near them. So, so You can't trust your feelings, and so, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
she goes to you know, her next CAT scan and she's still got cancer, that's probably a clear indication that, <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, um, so Benny Hinn's nephew, I believe, his name is Costi Hinn, um, he, was a, um, he was part of the Benny Hinn movement for two decades, and he served as like a catcher for people that were falling and all kinds of things like that, and he's, he's actually come out of it, and he's actually a pastor of a Baptist church now, and so he's done a lot of writing on, on you know, the, the, the craziness of that movement. And he, he's very clear, like, I don't, I don't hate my family, I, I love them, but, like, they're just in falsehood, and they need to come to the truth. And, um, and so, you know, it's what Scripture says is test the spirits, and so, so discern, test, and in our day of people, you know, looking for powerful things, like they, they very easily fall into believing something that feels powerful. Because you can get someone to feel goosebumps really easily. Um, you, you, you make the music, you know, sound, yeah, emotions, and, and emotions are, you can't trust your emotions. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the last week of this study, we'll talk about speaking in tongues and what is it in the Bible and, and is it still around today and, and just different things like that. But, um, but so, um, we might be scared or iffy of the Holy Spirit because he might call us to do something way out of our comfort zone. He might ask us to do something crazy. But he, he might, may, he, we might end up being uncomfortable but it will be so much better. We will taste of God's glory better. So as we study the Holy Spirit these six weeks, I hope you learn to desire him deeper and, and want him to work in you. It, it'll feel a little uncomfortable. It might make you look weird to others, not in the ways that we're talking about, um, but, but a sold-out Christian living by the Holy Spirit in their life is going to look different than average Christianity. It's, it's just going to. The Spirit is what brings life to, the, to your Christian walk, and, and that's, that's what we're going to see that he does. Um, so any final thoughts or any final questions before we conclude tonight? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you'll make, him, um, make us more... Um, more um, sensitive to him. Um, Lord, we, we are saved by him. We, we, are, um, we are called to you by him, and we live by him. Um, but Lord, often we can forget about him. Um, Lord, we can, 
do things in our own power. We can seek to do things comfortably. Um, we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to um, we, we don't want to do things that are going to make us look odd to other people, but Lord, um, sometimes you call us into that very thing. Um, you, you call us into hard things. You call us into uh, forgive other people, to have hard conversations that need to be had, and, and to um, love people radically when other people are not loving those people. And you call us into really difficult things, but do so by the power of your Spirit. And so, Lord, make us knowledgeable and make us aware that we, if we know Jesus, we have God the Holy Spirit inside of us right now. Lord, change our lives with that truth. Make us more and more aware of that truth, that God is inside of me and inside of us now. And as we gather to worship on Sunday and as we gather to pray on Wednesday night and as we gather to study on these Sunday nights, Lord, you are here among us as we meet. May we be revolutionized by that and may it embolden us to be your witnesses in the world that all may know Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.